And welcome to Wednesday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Mike here. Dr. Roizen will not be joining us for Wellness Wednesday today. We are pushing it to Wellness Thursday. It doesn't have the same alliterative ring to it, but I guarantee you he's going to have great information. He's just a little behind schedule with the recovery from the rotator cuff surgery. You know, he wants to be ready when pitchers and catchers report for duty in a few weeks. Before we get into all the madness around Joe Biden and the classified documents found in his office, not his D.C. office. Well, it's in D.C., but not the White House, his private office. Oh, this is good today. Before we get into all that, let's do a little quick check on this day back in the day. History, 1878, milk delivered in glass bottles to homes for the first time. That happened in Brooklyn. So if you're old enough to remember when milkmen delivered milk and cream, et cetera, and glass bottles to your front door, this is the anniversary. And Brooklyn was where the innovation began. In 1908, Teddy Roosevelt made the Grand Canyon a national monument. And if you've been there, you know why. This one's kind of weird. I was thinking about this. You know how the Democrats have been talking about free college for everybody, free junior college for everybody? In 1948, Harry Truman, President Truman, proposed free two-year junior colleges for anybody that wanted that education. I wonder if Bernie Sanders was one of the people who heard that and has latched on to that. Fast forward to 1964, an important date, January 11th, 1964, the U.S. Surgeon General Terry Luther published a report saying cigarettes cause lung cancer. And that was the beginning of the push to get cigarettes out of our lives. And here we are, decades later, they're still there. They got them off TV and out of magazine advertisements. But, you know, the Flintstones were smoking cigarettes for a long time. Yeah, a cartoon. In 1973, Baseball's American League adopted the designated hitter rule. I don't know where you stand on it. I don't really care either way. In 1980, Honda announced it was going to build cars in America. They were going to build a plant in Ohio at first. And I believe that that announcement was the inspiration for a movie, a Michael Keaton movie called Gung Ho. It was it was a little comedy in 1986, but I believe the the uh, move by Honda to build cars here was the inspiration. I remember the boardroom scene with Michael Keaton flying to Japan to try and convince this car company to build their cars in an old empty factory in his town. I'll give you a little sample. I'm like crazy for your country. I mean, I love it. You know, my dad was over here with the Army in, uh, I guess it was 1940. Hey, did you decorate this place yourselves? Because, I mean, it's damn nice. It's real Oriental, kind of a feel to it. Do you speak English? I'm just curious. We all speak English. Continue, please. The whole movie is entertaining. It's not exactly heavy lifting in terms of intellectual stuff, but it's a great film. Gung Ho. And it had a, 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 a really great song at the end by a guy named Jimmy Barnes called Working Class Man. If you're 
into that kind of thing. All right, and also on this day back in the day, 1989, President Ronald Reagan delivered his farewell address. It's on YouTube, and I've been posting links to it on my uh, social media. So if you're really interested in some great presidential history, Ronald Reagan's farewell address, 20 minutes worth your time investment. All right, let's talk about the news and the headlines. The biggest news, of course, yesterday was not the fact that Joe Biden had a meeting in Mexico with the uh, three amigos himself, the Mexican president, Lopez Obrador, and uh, the uh, Trudeau thing. No, not that. But it was the news that Joe Biden had classified documents sitting in an office a mile and a half or so from the White House that had been set up by the University of Pennsylvania and were discovered in November, six days before the election, but nobody said anything until recently. A lot of questions out there. A lot of questions about what's going on here. And I do believe it gives, uh, this, this discovery gives Donald Trump a whole lot of cover. And the mainstream media is going to be apoplectic over this. But here's, here's the breakdown. Joe Biden called this a real problem last fall when he was on 60 Minutes with Scott Pelley. You saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought... What data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? Just uh, totally irresponsible. So now I want to ask Joey, um, what is in the documents that were found in your office that might compromise sources and methods, that might reveal important names or procedures in our government? I just want to know. I really would like to know. And what about, let's get into this, let's take this another level. Before Joe Biden was elected president, one of his former interns in the Senate, a young lady named Tara Reid, who's now an adult, said that Joe Biden sexually harassed her, sexually assaulted her, digitally penetrated her, and the media refused to push it. And Joe Biden said that the documents that Tara Reid wanted to be investigated could not be released, that they were under lock and key at University of Delaware. Well, I would like to know what's what's in those documents. I'd also like to know if there are other classified documents at University of Delaware. If Joe had them at the uh, Penn office, why wouldn't he have them at University of Delaware? Interesting. The press secretary, of course, cringe. Corinne Jean-Pierre can't say if Joe Biden handled or mishandled classified information. She was asked about this, I believe, last summer. Can you say with certainty to the American people that President Biden, in his time as president, has not mishandled, improperly stored, done anything improper with classified information? No. So she can't say with any certainty that Joe Biden has mishandled classified information. Well, you know who seems to be absolutely certain about is the mainstream media. 
They just leaped to the defense of Joey. The brief euphoria on the right that this would somehow, you know, exonerate Trump by whataboutism. Uh, it's already turning into a bit of a hangover because of the stark contrast between the actions of the current president and the former guy when it comes to classified material. We all know that Trump is a liar and a thief. We don't think that Biden is a liar and a thief. So we give him the benefit of the doubt. You're already hearing them equate it to what happened with former President Trump, even though it is a very an apples to oranges situation. Is it apples to oranges? Only in terms of numbers of documents. But then again, we don't know what's in Joe's document dump at the University of Delaware. We haven't seen the FBI do a search of Joe's homes, the one in Wilmington, Delaware, and the one down at the beach, the way they went after Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. There might be a lot more. There might be a whole lot more. And as far as Joy Behar saying, we all know Donald Trump's a liar and a thief, but we give Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah, we have the receipts on that Joe Biden lying thing, and we're going to go over it because it's pretty damn embarrassing. Really embarrassing. Joe tried to defend himself or come up with an excuse yesterday. There was a press event scheduled after the meeting between Biden and Lopez Obrador and Trudeau. And, of course, the first question asked about the documents. Well, the second question from one reporter. She hit on what the hell they're planning on doing on the border and then oh, about those documents. Biden had to address it. It certainly was the elephant in the room. People know I take classified uh, documents and classified information seriously. Do you? Do we know that? And who are these people? When my lawyers were clearing out my office at the University of Pennsylvania, they set up an office for me, secure office in the Capitol, when I, the four years after being vice president, I was a professor at Penn. Now, that's a lie. He was not a professor at Penn for four years. It was two years. And why are they setting up an office on the Capitol for you? Why? Didn't you have all those Hunter offices? And did Hunter have a key? And why were your lawyers going through these documents just six days before the midterms? Were you worried there might be something in there that would become subject to a congressional investigation once the House was controlled by the GOP? Was that a thing? I'll let him continue offering these explanations and defenses. Uh, they found some documents in a box you know, locked cabinet, or at least a closet. So it was a locked cabinet or a closet. It wasn't a secure location. At least Donald Trump had the Secret Service guarding him and his possessions at Mar-a-Lago. But the FBI went through everything, the closets, the underwear drawers. And then they staged that spread of documents on the floor by the copier. It was all staged. Continue, Joey. And as soon as they did, they realized there were several classified documents in that box. And they did what they should have done. They immediately called the archives, immediately called the archives, turned them over to the archives, and 
I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office. Why were you surprised it was your office? Why were you surprised? Don't you usually direct what is sent to your office when you're setting up an office? I certainly would. Hey, I'm going to set up an office. Here's what I need. I need my files that relate to all the radio broadcasting we've done. I need all of that. You certainly should know. Hmm. A lot of questions still to be answered here. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've, my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. Now, why? Why would your lawyers suggest that you not ask what documents they were? That in itself raises a whole lot of hairs on the back of my neck. Very suspicious. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives. And we're cooperating fully. Isn't Donald Trump saying the same thing? They've turned over the documents and they're cooperating fully? Cooperating fully with the review, and which I hope will be finished soon. And uh, there'll be more detail at that time. The first question now, I forgot. Uh, yeah, I tried to make a joke and laugh it off. This is a very thin and flimsy defense that Biden is offering. Thin and flimsy defense. It really is disturbing. And I, I will tell you, the, the mainstream media's defense of him is as disturbing, especially when you consider how angry and, and upset they were and went after Donald Trump on so many levels, and they talked about, well, what do we know? Has he selling nuclear secrets to the Russians and the Chinese? Well, we know CNN has reported that these documents include Ukrainian documents, information relating to the country of Ukraine. Now, if these are documents from when Joe Biden was vice president, at the end of his term, that's when he and Hunter had the big meetings. And Hunter ends up as a board member over at Burisma, an oil and gas company. He knows nothing about oil and gas, nothing. But he's paid $83,333 a month. That's over a million bucks a year or right at a million bucks a year for several years. Is there something in those papers? If you're a regular listener to this podcast, then you know Joe Biden, being a Delaware resident, has had connections to a Delaware auto dealer who also is a Ukrainian-American, who also was one of Joe's largest individual campaign donors when he was running for Senate and then running as the vice president. The same gentleman also made a huge loan to Joe's brother, Jim, in order to rebuild his beach house. What is the Ukrainian connection? We need to know. We need all the information on this. Congressman Byron Donalds was on with Wolf Blitzer yesterday as this news was breaking and had an absolutely spot-on breakdown of how we should be looking at this. You're, you're a member of Congress. You deal with classified information. What's your reaction to this? Oh, well, my reaction is pretty simple. I'm wondering why the vice president of the United States 
had classified documents outside of the hands of the intelligence community. Listen, it's been pretty clear that presidents do have some classified documents. But the difference between a president and everybody else is the president has the ability to declassify information. The vice president has no ability to declassify information. So number one, what was he doing with classified information in his possession? Number two, why did it take six years? And I, I want to stress this for the American people. Joe Biden left the vice presidency in 2017. So it's taken six years for these documents to surface. That is incredibly concerning. And point number three, and this is the one that's most important. Everybody can go back to the Hillary Clinton email saga. We know other presidents have had classified information. But why was there a raid on Mar-a-Lago? But now this story just kind of seeps out and everybody's saying, oh, we just want to get down to the bottom of it. And everybody's giving the benefit of the doubt. A vice president of the United States or a secretary of state or anybody else should not be having classified information Period. There it is. Clearly stated, brilliantly stated, Byron Donalds. Happen to think that guy's a rising star in the GOP. Well done, sir. Very well done. Uh, we'll see what happens on this. I have no confidence that the DOJ will investigate this with the same vigor that they went after Donald John Trump. I don't believe they're going to go digging around in Biden's files at University of Delaware. Biden also said something after that press conference was wrapping up yesterday that I thought was really weird. This is at the very end of the press conference, and I'm not sure even he knows how bad this sounds. Joey? I want the record to show. I don't know what questions I didn't answer. I'm prepared later. Thank you. For I, I want the record to show I don't know what questions I didn't answer. I want the record to show I don't think you know where you are at any given time. Now, there is a, a theory emerging that all of this may be a political internal hit job to get Joe not to announce a 2024 candidacy. That the party has realized He's damaged goods. Only 38% of the people in the new Gallup poll believe that Joe Biden is doing the right thing on the border. 38%. That's bad. Over 70% of Americans are, are afraid that we are teetering on an economic disaster in this country. It's not good. And especially as it relates to classified documents, in 2018, Joe Biden was sitting in the Penn office with Andrea Mitchell from MSNBC, and he talked about classified information. In 2018, Joe Biden addressed his access to classified information in an interview with me. This was in the context of Russia's interference in U.S. elections, and it was in that office the Penn Biden Center. I don't have access to classified information anymore. I don't get briefed every morning by the agency, as I did for eight years. So he said he had no access while he was sitting in an office that had documents which were classified. Andrea Mitchell, is she a part of the inside hit job targeting Joe Biden? Is that really what's happening here? Hmm. I wonder. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. 
You know, maybe the the weight now of the presidency, along with the ever building number of lies Joe has been telling and in many cases retelling, maybe it's all going to create a critical mass that will force him not to announce. We believe that the visit to El Paso on Sunday was used to shoot a whole bunch of campaign video for an announcement that Joe's going to run again. Maybe not. The RNC collected some of the lies Joe has been telling and repeating, and they put together what's described as a brutal threat on social media. It's on their Twitter account. Let's run through it, shall we? 21 lies Joe Biden's been telling and retelling in some cases. Joe claimed on several occasions he used to drive an 18-wheeler. He's ridden in an 18-wheeler 50 years ago. He's never driven one. Biden claimed many times he's spoken with the inventor of insulin. Now, there's a couple of scientists credited for discovering insulin. Two died before he was born, and there is no evidence he's ever met any of the others. Joe claimed he had a house burned down with his wife in it and that they almost lost a couple of firefighters. In 2005, that happened here where I live in Wilmington, Delaware. The house had a small fire contained to the kitchen and there were no injuries. Another exaggeration that really is a lie. Uh, Joey claimed he was raised by the Puerto Rican community in Delaware. There's no evidence of this either. And uh, the RNC points out in 1970, only 2,154 people in the state of Delaware, less than one half of one percentage point, were of Puerto Rican descent. Joe Biden also remembered, quote, spending time, close quote, and going to the Tree of Life synagogue after the 2018 shooting. He never went there. Never. Biden also said he served as a liaison during the Six-Day War, a liaison to Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir. Joe was in law school during the Six-Day War, and um, Golda Meir was not even the Prime Minister. So he's wrong on both sides of that. Remember when uh, the president told us his first job offer came from the Boise Cascade Lumber Company out of Idaho? They have no record of that. No record of him applying for a job and no record of him working for the company. Um, The president also claimed that the first time he got arrested was at a civil rights protest, except we don't have any record of him ever being arrested and he was not a civil rights activist. One of my favorites is the, um, the repeated claim that Joe had this conversation with an Amtrak conductor and saying that the Amtrak conductor, hey, Joey, a guy named Angelo, that told him, hey, why, why are you flying Air Force One when you, flew, when you rode the train all these times? The conductor retired in 1993 and passed away in 2014. And uh, Biden didn't reach a million miles on Air Force One, as, as he keeps saying he had, until 2015, after this cat died. But he keeps saying it. 
Remember when he told us he had um, he was appointed to the Naval Academy in 1965? There's no record of that. And uh, Biden graduated from the University of Delaware in 1965, so that would have been an impossibility. Joe Biden, and we're only halfway through the lies, by the way. Joe Biden claimed oil refinery production in Claymont, Delaware, about two miles from where I sit today, caused him to have cancer. He said, quote, I and so many and so damn many other people grew up with have cancer. He doesn't have cancer. He had a little skin cancer a while back, but the cancer was caused by too much sun, not not oil business. He's always said he's been a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania after being the vice president. And uh, he was a professor, but it was an honorary thing. And it was only for two years, not for four years. He never taught a class. He was spotted on campus four times over those two years. I assume that might have been to pick up his check, paid almost a million bucks over a two-year period. Joey told us when he was campaigning years ago that his great-grandpa was a coal miner. He's been saying this for a while. His great-grandfather was not a coal miner. Uh, Joe said after he was elected vice president, he awarded his uncle Frank a Purple Heart. Biden's uncle, who did not receive the Purple Heart, died in 1999. Joe became the vice president in two. 2009, 10 years after his uncle Frank passed away. Uh, This one irritates me because I've attended the congressional baseball game. It's a lot of fun. And uh, Biden apparently in uh, 1974 claimed he hit a ball off the wall, 368 feet. The newspaper accounts of that game say Joe was 0 for 2. He went 0 for 2 with a ground out and a strikeout. The Democrats lost to the Republicans 7 to 3. Joe was 0 for 2. Didn't hit a ball off the wall. Is it that important you really lie about how you did in the congressional baseball game? The 16th lie of the 21 lies Joe Biden keeps telling. He claimed his grandfather was an All-American football player at Santa Clara University. Both the NCAA and the Santa Clara University records show no evidence of his grandfather being an All-American. Joe also told us he could have been an All-American football player. He played on the freshman football team for part of one semester in college. That was it. And then remember when he, he talked about, and this was recent, as recent as last week, He talked about he could have been a walk-on on on an NFL team. I thought maybe I could make him the pros, but look what happened. He only played one semester, but he's going to continue inflating this story. I actually was foolish enough to ask Floyd Little whether he could get his, he was a friend of mine in Syracuse, if he could get his agent to see if I could walk on. You know, 50, every year they allow 50 folks to walk on. Well, guess what? He said, he came back to me laughing. He said, my agent said they're afraid if let you walk on, they'd have to just carry you off. I'm sure that story actually happened. It was probably just a bar 
story screwing around. But Biden never could have made it in the pros. Hmm. In 2007, he told us he was shot at overseas. The New York Post has investigated this story and, and said that no, no, that, that never happened. Hmm. When Joe was a um, county council member in Delaware, a woman once asked him to um, remove a dead dog from her lawn. But instead of removing it, he claims he left it on her doorstep. And then the story was investigated. And uh, the Newcastle, Newcastle County Executive Matt Meyer, who's a good guy, by the way, even though he's a Democrat, uh, told the story to the board of directors meeting, but claimed that Biden told him that he went and picked up the dead animal and removed it himself. So he's got several different versions. This all goes back to the brain problem. And we talked about Joe saying that he'd been a civil rights guy when he was campaigning in 1987 before he got his presidential aspirations shot down because he was caught plagiarizing and plagiarizing repeatedly. He was telling a, a real whopper. During the 60s, I was, in fact, very concerned about the civil rights movement. Now, concerned is not being involved. Concerned is not marching. Concerned is not getting arrested. I was not an activist. I worked at an all-black swimming pool in the east side of Wilmington, Delaware. That's where you met Corn Pop. Remember, Corn Pop was a bad dude. I was involved. I was involved in what, what they were thinking, what they were feeling. You were a lifeguard. And to, to try and make it sound like you were a civil rights activist... It's just a gigantic load of Bravo Sierra, sir. A massive load of Bravo Sierra. All of these lies, I think, might lead to a push to tell Joe Biden that between the classified documents that suddenly appear and then were set upon before the midterm elections, all of these lies and the breach of the classified document policy, which as vice president, you never had the power to declassify. That might be the straw that breaks the camel's back that pushes Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. out of the 2024 campaign. Maybe. Just maybe. It's the brain decline that's probably the biggest thing. You know who this makes happiest? Kamala Harris. I love good news. Love good news. I just love good news. <laughs> yes, she does. The cackler. This would make her very, very happy. So we will see. We will see what happens. All right. Uh, tomorrow, Dr. Royson is going to join us. But right now, one of my favorite people of all time, Jim Stovall, is going to uh, share his weekly winner's wisdom with us next on the Pure Opelka podcast. One of my favorite segments on the show and one of my favorite interviews every week is our visit with Jim Stovall, our friend behind the Narrative Television Network, which helps people who can't see appreciate movies and television. He's also an author with more than 50 books on, on bookshelves, a philanthropist, 
And he has a weekly column called Winner's Wisdom that's all over the place. And you should find it. If it's not your local paper, it's online. If you go to jimstovel.com, you'll find it. And then we talk about it every week. Jim and I talk about it. And he's here. Hello, my friend. It's always good to be with you. I'm glad you're here. And um, especially as we start the year, a lot of people have made resolutions. I don't do that. I make goals that I try to uh, make myself a little bit better. And one of the goals is to read more because it just is something that, uh, you know, you always benefit from it. You never lose when you read more. And so I am, I'm just two books into the year, less than two weeks into the year. And one of them happens to be your latest Words That Shaped Our World that came out just before yeah. Christmas. So if people are looking to read again, and I think they are, I think you have to do it with books that'll help you get into it easily. Don't pick up War and Peace. Don't pick up the 800 pages of Pharma by my buddy Gerald Posner. Pick up a book that's going to help you with baby steps back into reading and give yourself some momentum. And Jim, your book, Words That Shaped Our World, is, is a great read for somebody who wants to restart their reading engine. So I encourage people, find that book. But let's talk about this column and the importance of reading. Well, it's called Your Bookshelf, and what we're talking about this week, and, you know, I'm embarrassed to admit to you and your listeners that when I could read with my eyes, like uh, most everyone listening to us now does, I don't know that I ever read a whole book cover to cover. I was an athlete. It was not a big uh, priority in my life. Then after losing my sight and learning how to live as a blind person, I was part of a national study they did to see how fast people could listen to audio and retain it through this uh, compressed digital audio and uh, and after the study was over I kept going and and uh, and the 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 upshot of that is uh, I read a book every day there hasn't been a day in the last 30 years I don't read an entire book it's wow. it's changed my changed my life and becoming a reader made me want to be a writer and that's why I've written 50 books and uh, after I uh, finish this conversation with you today I'll be writing the sequel to the book you just read and uh, you know we're working on that now I'm always working on a book and you know, and uh, not long ago, a, a national uh, site that reviews best-selling books asked to, uh, they reviewed one of my books, The Ultimate Gift, and then, then they asked me if I would uh, do a selection of five books that are kind of in that inspirational fiction genre. And they asked me if I would, and you can go look at this at shepherd.com, and it's not my site. I'm not affiliated with it. But it's a great way, you know, for people that think they want to read more, you can go and, uh, you know, it's not me promoting my books. It's me promoting, they asked me to do five. And, uh, you know, the when I think of inspirational fiction, I always start with Acres of Diamonds, Russell Conwell's amazing story about, uh, uh, you know, a guy that went to find what he's already got and uh, in the diamond mines in, in South Africa, an amazing, amazing story. And then uh, Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill's book about uh, uh, fiction, about actually putting the devil on trial, and uh, we have met the enemy and he is us. And then... Uh, you know, the Twelfth Angel, Ogmandino. And, it, you know, if you're looking for something that almost reads itself and it's hard to put down and, you know, you want to laugh a little and cry a little, read the Twelfth Angel. It'll, it'll, 
it'll be there forever. And then uh, Three Feet from Gold, an amazing story Napoleon Hill had written, and my uh, friend and uh, co-author, Greg Reed, uh, we've done a book together and contemplating another, but uh, he took a story Napoleon Hill had written about uh, a guy uh, based on a true story who uh, had, a di- had a gold mine in Nevada and uh, gave up on it and sold it to a, another guy for nothing, and uh, the other guy, uh, you know, with a few uh, swift uh, strikes of the pick and uh, shovel, three feet later discovers this amazing vein of gold, one of the richest ever discovered in America. And then those four are kind of in the traditional inspirational field. But then I couldn't, if I'm talking fiction, I cannot leave out Old Man in the Sea, Ernest Hemingway. Mm. Just, you know, the, the inspirational part of Hemingway is just to watch anybody do something as well as Hemingway does it. And total minimalism in his writing and just staggeringly good. And uh, so those are kind of that. But, you know, anyone can go to shepherd.com and look at uh, not only my selections, other authors and people. And, uh, you know, I, I think when, you, you know, my uh, late great friend and uh, publisher of my first fiction, uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones, uh, actually, uh, you know, one of his uh, sayings was, you'll be the same person you are today, five years from now, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. And that is, uh, that is a powerful, powerful statement. And, you know, when we realize we become like the people we hang around with, well, you develop like the books you read, and uh, that's an amazing thing. And when you meet successful people, you know, you, you don't have to ask them, are you a reader? Just ask, what are you reading these days? And what, what do you recommend? What's your best read of last year? And uh, invariably, they have a number of titles. I, I love that advice. There's so much in that last couple of minutes, Jib, but let's make sure people know shepherd.com, S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D.com is where you'll find the list of five books that Jim just talked about. But that important story from your friend, uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones, I have to ask you, where does the nickname Tremendous come from? Well, he 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 did a book called Life is Tremendous, and he would always do it. So he actually went and changed his name to Charlie Tremendous Jones, and uh, and everybody you know during his life uh, started dropping the Charlie. He was just known as Tremendous Jones, and he had his book company was called Tremendous Life Books, and uh, and uh, yeah, he passed away a number of years ago. But uh, an amazing influence in my life. But uh, you know just the power of reading, and it is a. It is an incredible, incredible thing. And uh, so, um, yeah, I, you know, when I lost my sight, the two things I worried about is I, I'm never going to be able to read and I can't drive. And, you know, I, I uh, you know, and I realized, uh, you know, I don't want to read with my eyes. I want to get the information. So audiobooks changed my life. And, uh, uh, you know, if I miraculously got my sight back today, I would still get the audiobooks. It's just a for me, it's just a better way to do it. And uh, and if I got my sight back today, I don't think I'd drive. I'll just get in the limo like I normally do and go to the office. It, uh, you know, why why you know why do I want to sit up there and do all that stuff? I'll sit in the back and, uh, <laughs> and listen you know, talk, to a talk, book. <laughs> yeah, listen to my book or talk on the phone or do whatever I'm doing. So no, it, it, it's it's um, you know, and that's the, that's the key to a lot of us in life. It's you know, you don't want to get the method mixed up with the mission. You know, if you look at where you want to go, there's a lot of ways to get from here to there. Yeah. And what you're saying, Jim, is so important today because 
so many of us are saying we want to read more. I talk to so many people who say, yeah, this year I'm going to read more. And then I try to follow up with say, well, what are you reading? Because I'm always looking for a, a hot title that's going to read. Like you said, the Ogmandingo book was a 12th angel. Basically reads itself. And, and yeah. these are the kinds of books I find uh, Ken Follett. I think that's how you pronounce his name. His, oh, yeah. his books read like a movie in my brain and they are they are amazing and i've read everything he has written i believe uh and just an amazing and you want to read an amazing book he wrote one book that's a true story and it's called on wings of eagles mm -hmm. and it's the story of ross perot going to get his people out of iran and it, it just and it, it is more fantastic than some of his fiction because it's hard to believe a real guy went and did this yeah and uh you know, just amazing, amazing writer, and uh, and so there's a lot of great stuff out there today, and two fantastic books released today for those who care. I mean, uh, uh, Prince Harry's book Spare came out today, and uh, and uh, instantaneously on the bestseller list everywhere in the world, and uh, and then an amazing book uh, uh, by Dr. Waldinger, uh, and it, it's called. Uh, the Good Life, and it's this 80-year study that's uh, the largest, most comprehensive study ever done, probably, about happiness, and it, I mean, it's so many people, hundreds of thousands of people have participated in, including JFK, and just incredible people throughout the years, and uh, it's uh, called The Good Life, and just came out today, a lot of great, great books, and over the holidays, I had a, I read Elton John's biography called Me, and and I had a lot of extra time as some family things canceled because of illness. So uh, when he would talk about an album, I would just stop the audio and actually sit down and listen to that album. And it was just fascinating experience to go through that. See, books can take us places, but they can also elevate us in a skill level, in our in our cognitive skills and books, as uh, Jim points out in this week's column, this week's Winner's Wisdom column. The expression, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. And uh, that is uh, pretty much one of the driving forces in my desire to read more. If you're going to lead, you have to be able to read and you have to read often and regularly with new information, even if it's a distraction like some fiction. But uh, oh, yeah. It, if you want to read the column this week, Jim Stovall's Winner's Wisdom, go to jimstovall.com and pick it up and get moving on it. Uh, I certainly, I'm going to try and keep the momentum going this year, Jim. I, I feel like I've got it started already, and your book was the one that uh, lit the fire for me. So I have to say thank you, and uh, hope we can talk again next week. I will look forward to it, my friend.